well, I just don't feel like it. I, I got to put on a smile, but I don't feel like smiling. And you get there and got to talk to people. I don't really feel like talking to people. And sometimes people can be mean. And I just, I just don't feel like going to church this morning. And she said, but honey, you have to go. You're the pastor. I, um, I feel like that sometimes. Um, that might skew the way you receive the message this morning because we all know that the church is made up of imperfect people, but the pastor shouldn't be imperfect. Um, but we all know that that's not true. And I know that when I begin to feel that way, and I try to analyze why, it always seems to go back to the quality of the time that I have spent with the Lord. Uh, on on um, your notes this morning, it says something to the effect of that God doesn't, that God's purpose is not that you will do more for him, but that you would choose to be more with him. To be more with him is different than being with him more. To be more with him speaks to the quality of time that I spend with him. The depth of the time that I spend with him. The, the, uh, the experience of interacting with him. We lose quality in our time with him when it becomes a uh, just something that we do in the same way that we brush our teeth every morning. I've experienced this. I, I would imagine that most of you have experienced this as well. It's something that, that you just do. You just kind of go through the motions. We, we don't place enough importance and emphasis on the time that we spend with God. I think maybe one reason is, is because we fail to understand how valuable that time is to him. We preach and teach and we talk a lot about the value of that time to us. It's valuable to me. I um, have shared this with you before, but it was an impactful time in my life. It was many, many years ago. I read a book by a man um, who was in England. He's from the United States. He was in London, England, and he was there on business. And while he was there, he was staying with some friends of his. And in London, it's quite common that they have these three-story homes. And on the third floor, generally, is some type of guest room. And that's where this gentleman was staying. And after one day of conducting his business, he had gotten home a little early. And he decided that he would go to his room and that he would spend some quality time with the Lord. So he kneeled at his bed, if you can picture that, kneeling at his bed, and he just began to converse, to interact 
with God, sharing with God his heart, sharing with God his day. And he would pause and he would listen as God, uh, Jesus, would, would begin to remind him of his identity in Christ and who he was. And he was son. He was a son. And he was beloved. And he was empowered. And, and he was called. And, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And he became engrossed in it when all of a sudden he was interrupted by the lady of the house who yelled up and said, hey, dinner's almost ready. Come on down for dinner. But he was so engrossed in this experience of interacting with God that, that while he yelled, I'll be down in a minute, he continued to talk. And time passed, and he heard again this yelling, dinner's ready, we're waiting for you. And he continued, and he continued, and he heard it again. And the lady of the house goes, please come, it's getting cold, dinner's on the table, we're waiting for you. And he got up to leave, he got up off of his knees to leave, and he writes in his book that he sensed in his spirit God saying to him these words, just five more minutes, please, just five more minutes. And when I read that, it impacted me in such a way because I had never considered how God cherishes the time that I spend with him. How valuable it is to him. He loves that time. I have found in my Christian journey that when I just don't feel like it, it can always be traced back to the quality of time that I spend with the Lord. I want to tell you that in light of, in the past several weeks, um, talking about vision and talking about mission and talking about doing and what we feel like God wants us to do and what he's laid before us and challenging people, encouraging people to be a part of doing, 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 doing. I pray, I hope, if I, if I have in the past, I want to set it straight today that I don't ever want us to be a church where doing is more important than being, where doing for God is more important than being with God. We have a tendency to place an emphasis on the things that we do. I want to read to you from Oswald Chambers. Um, He writes this, beware of anything that competes with loyalty to Jesus Christ. The greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service to him. That is a powerful, powerful statement. He uses this this um, superlative, greatest, greatest, there's nothing greater. The greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is our service for him. He goes on and says, our primary purpose is not to do something for Christ, but to know him. Our activities and abilities are useless for the kingdom unless he energizes them. And this will not happen 
If those things take precedence over intimacy with him, we become weary and exhausted when we attempt more public ministry than we can cover in private growth. I want to tell you this morning that is so very true. And if you've experienced in your life this exhaustion, this feeling of I just can't do it anymore, this, this sense of being overwhelmed by, by, um, by the things to be done, the good things, the good things that we need to do, the good things to be done, it's overwhelming, it's exhausting. There's this feeling of I just, I'm not sure I can go on. I promise you, you can trace that feeling back to the quality of your time with him. Jesus knew this. And so in, in, in the, the last hours of his time with the disciples, he talks to them about this very subject. He called it abiding. And he gives them a command. Abide with me. Abide with me. It's, a, it's important that we understand that it's a command. The, the NIV uses the word remain. Remain with me, he says. So I, I want to look at this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And it was a conversation. It was interactive. It's after they had, had taken the the uh, had celebrated Passover, had taken that what we call the, the Last Supper. They had left the upper room. They, had, uh, they were making their way to the garden for a time of prayer. In that journey from the upper room to the garden, they passed through a vineyard. Jesus, I, I imagine in my mind when I think about this, I, I imagine him stopping and grabbing hold of a grapevine, and he teaches them this incredible, incredible lesson that's for us today. It's in John 15, and it begins, uh, it begins in, the, I'm, I'm going to begin in the fifth verse. I, I want you to notice um, how often Jesus says, abide with me, abide with me. He uses that word about 11 times in these few verses. John chapter 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But this is my, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. Notice verse 11. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus tells us in these few verses how our joy may be full. Anybody interested in that? Is that, is that something that would characterize your life? 
Jesus has given us a, a prescription, if you will, for experiencing joy in our lives, and not just joy, but he says that joy that is full. I, I, I don't know how you think of, of joy, but I think, um, I think it's different than just being happy. I, I think it's this, it's this sense of, a, 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 of being full, of being satisfied, of being content. It's an acknowledgement of this satisfaction. It's, it's this, uh, this just being full of knowing that he is who he is, that he provides, that, that he keeps his promises, and it's just this sense of, of, wow, that's that kind of joy. And it's that kind of joy that is there regardless of circumstances, that we can experience that kind of joy regardless of the circumstances in our life. And I, and I see this progression in these, in these verses. Uh, I, I, I like to think of it um, backwards. At the bottom down here is my life is full of joy. And from these verses, what I see is, is that comes from bearing much fruit. And, and bearing much fruit, and you can think about that as the doing part, if you want, I think that there's a that there's a um, um, that there's an element of that that is just a natural outflowing. I think that we bear fruit when someone looks at our lives and goes, "Wow, I don't know what he has, but I want it." That's bearing fruit. So I think there's there's an element of that that's just kind of a natural outflowing. Joy comes from bearing much fruit which comes from abiding, remaining, being with. The word abiding there is this, is this sense of this isn't an occasional thing that happens, but this is, a, this is a lifestyle for me that I'm going to constantly, consistently be with him, remain with him, Abide with him. Experience his presence. His presence is always with us. Do we experience his presence in our lives? And so I want us to talk a little bit about abiding. There is a mystery to abiding. I have said to you that being, being with him comes before doing, doing for him. And yet, I tell you this mystery of abiding, that in order for us to abide, we must act. It's not a contradiction. Abiding is not about doing more. If you want to experience, if you want to experience abiding, there's something that you have to do. Abiding, in abiding, the ball's in our court. It is up to us to have the initiative. See, earlier in the chapter, Jesus talks a little bit about, about discipline and pruning in our relationship with him. And in those things, he takes the initiative. He loves us so much that he wants to involve himself in our lives. And so there are times when he takes... But in abiding, 
We take the initiative. Jesus says to the disciples, abide in me. Over and over. And we must understand that that is a command that Jesus gives us, not a suggestion, not a request. It's, it's an imperative. You, you don't have to tell a child to eat candy, right? You don't have to command them to, to do that. Man, that just comes naturally. Commands are usually given when there's something that needs to be done that doesn't come naturally to us. In, in, in abiding, the ball is in our court. So a, so a few things about abiding. First, I, I want us to consider the person of abiding. The person of abiding. And I think this is very, very important because while this may seem elementary... <laughs> And this may seem simple, I don't think we get it. I think we really struggle with this sometimes. Abiding is the most important friendship in your life. Abiding is about a relationship with a person. One of the things that makes this difficult for us is this is a person that we cannot see. Maybe we have... Uh, I haven't done this. You probably, you talk to someone who's close to you who's not there, right? They're gone. They're on a trip. You miss them, and you find yourself audibly talking to them, knowing in your mind they can't hear you and knowing that they can't respond to you. And I think that experience impacts this experience of abiding because we are, in fact, communing with, uh, interacting with, talking with, growing with, spending time with someone we can't see. We have a difficult time viewing, thinking of the Holy Spirit as a person, but He is a person. He is a person, and He is with you. And he does hear you. And he does respond. He does talk to you. And this relationship that you have with him is the most important relationship in your life. I say that because I know that, that, that the quality of this relationship directly impacts the quality of every other relationship in your life. That, 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 that what we experience and what we have and how we grow in our relationship with him impacts other relationships. God created us for relationships. This relationship that we have with him through his Holy Spirit who indwells every believer is the most important relationship in our lives. God created us to interact. He created us to desire intimacy. He, he created us for, for that kind of deep relationship, that kind of closeness. He designs us in such a way that without that, we feel like in our lives there's something lacking. It might be that feeling that we get when we're, when we're so tired of doing, doing, doing. We need that kind of relationship. So why don't we pursue it? 
I think that too many of us, and I certainly would include myself in this and in, in times on the spiritual journey, we're convinced we don't really believe God likes us. We talk a lot about how much God loves us in this church, and I think everybody agrees. I know, I know, I know. God loves us. God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were sinners, while we were his enemies, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. I know he loves us. I know he loves us. But do you, do, do, do you think about the relationship with him? Do you think about he, he really likes you? This isn't the... When we go into the presence of God when we acknowledge his presence, when we want to spend time with him, do we think of him the way we would think about being called into the boss's office? Oh, Lord, what have I done? What does he want me to do now? Or do you remember as a child when you got called to the principal's office and, 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 and with trepidation you walk down the hall to the principal's office knowing that he or she knows everything that you've done wrong and that's what this meeting is about and that's what he wants to talk to me about. But, but I don't want us to think of that, of that time that, that way. God loves you. God likes you. God likes spending time with you. Think of it more as a lunchtime uh, uh, with your best friend and, and how your best friend perceives you. You might think to yourself, man, my best friend accepts me. He always makes time for me. I leave our times together feeling refreshed and encouraged. I think that's what God offers us in our time with him. He's trustworthy. He's patient. He does not bring to mind everything that we have done wrong. He looks upon you as a beloved child. Uh, the Bible calls you a worthy, worthy heir. This God desires to abide with you. He has a desire to abide with you. I think the psalmist said, as a deer pants for water, so, Lord, my soul longs for you. We must develop that in our lives, that sense of being within, that sense of abiding. Now, talk about that time together, some principles of abiding. First, I must deepen the quality of my time with God. I, I, I think what we have to be careful of here is my time with God is not some kind of dutiful activity. Is that what you think of when you spend time with your friend, when, with your spouse, with your children? This is my dutiful activity. I, I, I mean, if you, if you came home and you said to your spouse, um, hey, why don't we just spend the evening together? Just you and me. And, and she says or he says to you, well, that'd be wonderful. Why, 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 do you, why do you want to do that? Well, you know, in, in, uh, in my men's class at the church, they said that's what I should do. <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to make our marriage better. Right? Well, do we, do, do we treat our time with God that way? Is it, is it a dutiful service? We've got to deepen the quality of our time with God. It does require discipline. 
And I think the spiritual disciplines, spending time in his word and in a time of, of prayer, those things are important. Those are vehicles. Those are tools for using in our time with God. But please know that you can, you can spend time in the word for hours every day and have prayer time for hours every day and not abide with Jesus. What is your heart? Is this a, a time that, that you, you're looking forward to? Is, is, is it a time that, that you're there because you, you want to be there? Knowing him, you want to know him. My soul longs for you. I think there are some ways to go from duty to, 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 to a, a want to, to true intimacy. I think setting apart the kind of time that will build a relationship with God. Too often, my time with God is, is almost an af afterthought. I'm grateful that in my spiritual journey and my personal experience, I have developed uh, uh, to a place where I spend time with God every morning. But I'm telling you, there's a difference between going through the motions and true intimacy. And I know that difference. I know how it impacts my life. Talk and listen to a person. Think of God's word as, as God's personal love letter to you. The Holy Spirit is real. He's a person. He wants to interact with you. I encourage you to keep a daily written record of what God is doing in your life. Now, now, I know that that has a tendency to go in one ear this morning and out the other. But would you consider that? Would you consider journaling? Would you consider writing down what God shares with you? Would, would, would you consider uh, um, monitoring or keeping record or keeping notes of, of what God has shown you and how that has been lived out in your life, how that has been experienced in your life, looking back on that time. Hey, when you do that, it gives you a whole bunch more to talk about with him the next time you get together with him. And it begins to teach us about his power and about his faithfulness and about his involvement in our lives, about his love. It's being with him. It's abiding. It's remaining. Here's the second principle. I must broaden my devoted time with God, taking it from a morning appointment to an all-day attentiveness to his presence. We spend a few minutes with God in our study in the morning before we go. Do we leave him there is the question. I believe this is one of the great, great keys in the spiritual journey for people. And, and you could even make an argument, maybe I have tried to do that in the past, making an argument that, that the greatest thing that we can do in developing our relationship with God and growing and knowing him, truly knowing him, is a constant sense of his presence in our lives. That there's this constant sense that he is right there. He's there, not because he has to be, because he wants to be, because he likes you, because he loves you. 
because he, he values time with you. God is always with us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God's presence goes with us. God's presence goes with us. God, do we experience that presence? Do we acknowledge his presence? Do we, do we utilize his presence? Maybe, maybe the most important thing we can do in our spiritual journey, in our, in our growth curve, in knowing him better is having this constant, maybe this is our prayer for our morning, Lord, today I want to constantly, constantly be aware that you are with me. Imagine how that impacts your life. I know that he's there. He sees, he listens. Imagine how that impacts your conversation with that guy who you don't like at work. Imagine how that impacts how you drive. Imagine how that impacts your relationship with your children and with your spouse. Imagine how that impacts opportunities God gives you in the course of the day to mention his name to others to mention his love to others, to mention his gift of eternal life to others. If you were with someone and you came across a friend or someone you work with, I mean, it's just the natural thing to introduce them if they don't know each other. Well, if you're experiencing God's presence, if, if it's a real thing to you, you're growing in this, and, and, and more and more and more, it becomes more real. God is with me. God is with me. God's right here. God's listening. God's seeing. God's guiding. God's leading. God's comforting. God. He's right here. He's right here. And you come across someone who does, maybe doesn't know him. Well, would that, isn't it just natural to introduce them? Sensing God's presence. It's part of taking him with you. It's part of broadening that time with him. Here's another part of that. Abiding's not based on feelings. And too often at church, we place emphasis on feelings. God is with you. That's a fact. <laughs> you can talk to him. That's a fact. We can interact with him. Communion with God, is, it's a relationship. It's not a sensation. doesn't have to be a mountaintop experience every morning. And if you walk away from that time with him, it hasn't been a, It doesn't mean that that experience didn't happen. It doesn't mean that he wasn't there. It doesn't mean that interaction didn't play, take place. God is real. Our time with him, that's a, that, that's a fact with or without the emotional experience. Abiding then is an act of faith. It's believing. It's believing he is who he is. He is where he is. And then in my conversation with him, he's there and he hears it. An, it's an act of faith. It's not always... A mountaintop experience. You know this. You know this in the relationship with your children. You know this in the relationship with your spouse. Look, you don't always feel married, but you're married. Uh, it's a different experience, a candlelit dinner and an argument, right? But in both of those, you're married. That's a fact. 
And yes, that's your son and that's your daughter. And, and sometimes it's not always an emotional high. It's the same way in our relationship with God. That's a fact. We, we, we want to evaluate our time with him on emotion and you can't do that. Another misconception that we have is we can abide in Jesus without obeying him. I, I, you know, verse 10 makes this about as clear as it could possibly be. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I think that this is important. Disobedience always creates this, this breach, if that's the right word, in your relationship with God. You can enjoy an emotional experience during worship here on Sunday morning, but if you continue in a sinful lifestyle, you never experience true abiding. You have a desire to abide, maybe. You even set aside time to, to, to cultivate and to grow in this experience of abiding, constantly remaining with him. But there's an area of your life you just you don't want to let go of it. You know it's displeasing to him. That's not abiding. So if that's not abiding, then in our, in, 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 in our, um, um, our ladder that we built, you can't experience, your joy can't be full. Your joy can't be full because you're not abiding. And maybe you ask yourself the question, my joy's not full? Why? Why, why, is, not, why is not my joy full? So, so, so concluding, really, the, the, the math, the basic math of abiding, working less for him, that's right, the pe- preacher said that, working less for him and spending more time with him equals much fruit. So much fruit doesn't mean more work, according to this, but this is God's economy. That doesn't make sense to us. We're, we're, we're geared, we, we, it's this thing in our minds, we understand more fruit means more work. No, that's, Jesus says no. More fruit comes from more time with me, being with me, constantly abiding with me. My Holy Spirit, he's in control. He's the, he's the Lord of my life. I'm with him, constantly with him, interacting with him, experiencing his presence. We can be more productive for the kingdom of God. You take in mind the vision, the mission, what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. Listen, the mission of this church has never changed. We want to reach this community for Christ. And it's natural for us to think, well, we better get busy. And there's much to do. (laughs) But what Jesus says is, no, 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 no. Just sit with me. And maybe he says to you, just five more minutes, please. Just five more minutes. True, intimate time. It's an invaluable lesson. I think it's an invaluable lesson, especially for those who are in full-time ministry, who tend to think that the more we do, the more effective we are in ministry. Those are the kind of people who want to count. How good am I doing? Well, it depends on how many people are there. No, that's not God's economy. God says, how well are you doing? How much time are you spending with me? Are you abiding? 
do you remain with me? I'll give you these very, very quickly and we'll close. Abiding helps us sense the leading of the Lord. Number one question we get, how can I know God's will? <laughs> how can I know what God wants me to do? What, de- what's, what's, what decision, how can I, abiding, being with him, experiencing his presence, quality time, intimate time. Abiding helps us to tap into all of God's spiritual blessings. Boldness, power, confidence, faith, love, patience, persistence are all part of the spiritual blessings we have in our relationship. I am, I, I'm always amazed at the verse, Acts 4, 13, where, where, where um, I, I, think it's, I think it's Peter and Paul. I'm not sure. Peter and Andrew, a couple of the disciples encounter opposition to their faith. And this, this group of men that they encounter, they, they're taken aback. And I wrote these, these words down. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized they had been with Jesus. They had been abiding. Abiding gives us rest when we need to bear a much greater yield. Now, for me in my life, I need to read that over and over and over again. (laughs) Abiding gives us rest. Abiding gives us rest. Abiding carries with it the promise of answered prayer. Listen, we don't have time this morning to, to spend on this passage of Scripture, but, but Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How's that for a promise? But it comes from abiding. It comes from true intimacy. It comes from being with Jesus. Folks, look, I want this for you. I want this for us. And the reality is we need this. We need this in our lives. This needs to be an experience in our lives. You can keep on playing, Christian, if you want. I'm telling you, um, I don't want that lifestyle. I don't want it. Christianity is about a relationship. And the more I develop that relationship, the more I understand what Christianity is all about. If I'm not developing that relationship, Christianity, man, it's tough. It's no fun. Because it's about a relationship. So if we're treating it as if it's about what we do, then... You're not going to last long. You're not going to last long. It's about abiding. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to evaluate this area of your life. This isn't new to you, is it? Well, if it's familiar to you, if you've heard it time and time and time again, how are we doing with it? Does that characterize your life? I can truly say... This is, a, this is a way to evaluate. I can truly say I'm abiding. I'm remaining. I am constantly experiencing him. Father, teach.
Teach us through your word. Change our lives. Give us a hunger and thirst to know you. Give us a want to in this area of intimacy with you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for placing your Holy Spirit within us. Forgive us when we ignore him. Develop our relationship with him. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.